If you can find your place in the book of Genesis, chapter number 8, if you would please. Genesis chapter number 8, as we preach through the book of Genesis, I'm enjoying the study. I don't know if you're enjoying the preaching or not, but I am enjoying the study. Just to set the context just a little bit, Noah and his family has been in the ark 365 days, approximately, according to how you figure the months, whether you figure 31 days a month or 30 days a month. But in my figuring of 30 days a month, Noah has been in the ark with all of those animals and his kids and his wife for 365 days. That is the definition of cabin fever. The water has been upon the earth for 150 days, approximately five months. And the ark rests on Mount Ariat, and he's there for seven months and ten days. I would imagine it was possible that there was a few family trials during that year. Would you and your wife have any small discussions being in that ark with no electric lights and your TV is broken? Would you and your wife have any difficulties in a year and three days? How about three days? Possibly there was trials and difficulties with the livestock. I don't know about you, how much you've handled and been around livestock. But there are trials and difficulties that comes along. Would you say that maybe Noah was getting a mite anxious after a year plus so many days of being in that ark? Have you ever felt like God has forgotten you? You pray and you sing, there's no answer. You feed the cat and he bites your hand. The dog no longer wags his tail when you feed him. And the cars broke down. Do you ever feel like God has forgotten? Do you think maybe Noah might have felt that way? Look what chapter 8 and verse 1. And God remembered Noah. I'm competing with somebody's radio program, so it, uh, I'm not going to worry. I can outshout that dumb thing. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind. Never been any wind on the earth before. So God needed a wind to dry up the surface of the earth because the earth had never been wet before. 
The earth had been hovered and by a firmament, thousands of gallons of water in a mist above the earth, creating a hothouse effect, thereby allowing longevity of life and huge lizards they called dinosaurs. If a man lived 969 years, and a lizard lived 965 years. Did you know as long as a lizard lives, he grows? That booger could be pretty good size 900 years. But not before I was in ever a wind, so God, look at that, made a wind. Are you glad God's in the wind making business? You know, every once in a while he just creates a wind and blows our troubles right out the front door. But, of course, sometimes he creates a wind and blows troubles in the back door. But I'm glad God's in charge of the wind. Aren't you glad of that? And so God created or made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuage, and the fountains also of the deep, and the windows of heaven were stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained. How did you get that much water on the earth that fast? Well, look at that. The fountains of the deep. There's more water underneath the earth than there are on the earth. In the aquifers across the nation, there's millions of gallons of water in underground rivers in the earth. Before the flood, there was a huge canopy called the firmament, and it restrained all the mist that when water uh, 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 turns into a mist, I can't think of the word, what did John, you went to A&M. Well, we're stuck there too, you know. But the water when it, uh, wife, help me. That's what I was trying to say. I knew it all the time. Evaporated as the water evaporated and went up into the midst, and there was thousands and thousands of gallons of water above the firmament, created in a hothouse effect, and it had never rained before. Now let's look at that verse again. The Bible says, and the waters returned off the earth continually, and after the end of 150 days, the waters were abated. The ark rested in the seventh month on the seventeenth day of the month upon the mountains of Ariat. There was no mountains before the flood. All the lands, there was no continents. All the lands were in one place. The water was in one place. But when you get thousands and millions, yes, and billions tons of water, just suddenly the windows of heaven open. The fountains of the deep, because of the earthquakes and because of the volcano eruptions and because of all the earth, the waters just belched up the earth that was underneath it. And just to help that boat along, God let it rain. But now the rain has stopped. The fountains of the deep have been hushed and there's no windows of heaven to open because they're all empty now. 
And so God has to create a place for all that water because should the water remain on a flat earth, there would be 8,000 feet of water around the whole earth. I don't know if it means anything, but the earth was out void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. By the way, that's verse 2 of chapter 1. So God needs a place for all that water to go. Where in the world are we going to have space for all that water? And suddenly, wham, just by the mighty work of God and the word of God, the Rocky Mountains protruded up through the earth, creating deep ocean bed. Ain't God good? You say, preacher, I don't believe that. Well, let your teacher at school explain it. Shall we go on? Some of you look like you're bored. And the waters decreased, verse number 5, and the waters decreased continually until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountains seen. Verse 14. And in the second month, on the seventh and twentieth day of the month, was the earth dried. And God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring with thee every living thing that is with me. Can you imagine what it must have been like when God opened the door of the ark? No more violence. Wickedness is buried under the deeps of the water. Can you imagine what Noah must have experienced when God opened the door and first glimpse of a brand new, absolutely revolutionized world. Noah, you're in charge. Let your mind play Disney for a while. Get it out of the garbage can. New earth. Mountains that has never been witnessed before now protrudes high. 29, 30,000 feet. Green vegetation everywhere. You say, I thought the earth was just going. Seven months he's been in the boat waiting for everything to get green. If not, how's he going to feed the animals? Because the animals come off the ark and there was no water barrier or bridges. They spread through all the earth on dry ground. Don't you imagine Noah felt kind of like us this morning? wonder how long he's going to preach. What would have been your 
first inclination. You are the leader. You are very special because you were hand-chosen of God not to die. Your family, your family alone, was chosen by a sovereign God, by grace, to ride the floody waters and stay in the safety of the ark. How would you feel the moment the door opened and you were safe? Not a big deal, you say. Would have been to me. If I'd have been there, I'd still been hanging on that knob on the outside of that ark. No one would say, Gene, turn loose. No, sir, I ain't turn loose. I'm hanging on. I don't like water. What would you have done The minute the door opened and you stepped on God's brand new earth, what would you have done? Could you imagine uh, worked up a, thank you, Lord? Could you think maybe, bless the Lord, if there's a church service that morning, you wouldn't missed it to go to the ball game? Come on, say amen now. You say you're preaching to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm preaching to you. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what Noah did when he stepped off that ark. I think I found it. Oh, yeah. Look at verse 20. We may find out what Noah did when he stepped off the ark. Stepped on a brand new earth. Breathe brand new, clean air. Looked into the face of a brand new sun. And the Bible says, and Noah built an altar unto the Lord. First things first. Now we have a little problem with that, do we not? I said we, I did not say you, but when I say we, that encompasses you. We have a problem of being the ark of safety called the Lord Jesus Christ. And no matter what kind of turbulent weather and turbulent storms may come our way, we're safe in our ark. He will not leave us nor forsake us. He is, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And we are in that ark, are we not? What is our inclination then as human beings? Is our job first? Our occupation first? Our family first? You notice it did not say Noah and his family built an ark. Noah as the representative of that family, as the leader of the home, as the high priest of the family, the Bible says Noah built an altar unto the Lord. Would you allow me just a minute to do something? I'd like you to turn to chapter number 9, and I'd like to read for you three verses, and I need to hurry. Somebody must speed that clock up. 
Either that or I must slow down. The Bible says in verse 12, And God said, This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you. And every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations, I do set my bow in the cloud, and I shall, and it shall be a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass, when I bring a cloud over the earth, that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy the flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it that I, God is speaking, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, This is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. If you would allow me, in 15 minutes, I'm going to preach this two-hour sermon entitled, the altar and the bow. The altar and the bow. The altar speaks of death and of sacrifice. The bow speaks of promise and the resurrection. The altar and the bow. There is a close connection between the altar and the bow. Because the altar speaks of sacrifice and of death. And maybe allow your spiritual mind to run ahead of time the cross. The altar speaks of death and sacrifice and the cross. The bow speaks of promise. A new opportunity. Resurrection. We look back to see the death, but we look forth because of the resurrection. Christ died for our sins, but thank God there was a rainbow at the end of the cross. He arose for our justification. The Bible said, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Thank God, when Noah realized he needed an altar, needed a sacrifice, needed a payment, needed a place to worship, as a result of the altar, God hung a rainbow in the sky. Now notice the rainbow is not to remind you and I of God's covenant. Notice the rainbow. Somebody said, well, the rainbow is a scientific fact of this and that and this and that. No, it is a spiritual fact 
that God put a rainbow there because never before Noah did it rain, no cloud, no rainbow. God's in charge of all of it. And I think it's so significant. The minute Noah stepped out of that ark, he built an altar and worshipped the one who had saved him, the one who had permitted his life to go on, the one who allowed him to be the, the ancestry of the one who would bruise the serpent's head. Yes, Noah was saved so that Jesus could be born through the lineage of Noah. God has it all worked out. By the way, how's your plans going without God? I don't need an altar. How's it going? I don't need to be saved. Well, how's things going your way? You have to take a pill to get up by, a pill to go to bed by, and flip one on a pole going 90 miles an hour down the road and catch it in the window as you go by, all because you don't need God. The greatest pill for the world's worst deal is still the gospel. Thank God for the altar. And because Noah built an altar, God gave him a promise. Isn't that good? By the way, if you haven't been to the altar, you do not have the promise of God. If you haven't been to Calvary, there's no life after Calvary. Is anybody here? Uh, most of you, please don't go to sleep. The ball game's not going to be a good day anyhow. Notice Genesis 8 and verse 20 through 21. Oh, yes. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord. And he took of every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said, boy, that smells good. Here a while back, we were going to lunch. We were going to go to the Red Lobster. But to get to the Red Lobster, we had to pass Logan. As we drove behind Logan's in the sweet smelling savor of steaks being cooked at Logan's completely destroyed my fish at Red Lobster. No sweet smelling savor coming out of Red Lobster. Nothing but great old big pink things with pinchers on their nose hanging there in that tank. But when you drove by Logan's, there was a sweet savor. You get the same thing when you go by Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yes, amen. <laughs> and God smelt Logan's, you could put there, I suppose. And the Lord said in his heart, wow. Huh? 
Why do you think God told him to offer sacrifices? Just to kill animals and watch it burn? No. Because the sweet smell and savor will send it up into the nostrils of God. And the Bible says, I love it. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore everything living as I have done. Why? The sweet smell, the savor. Bless God's heart. Have you uh, ever read Ephesians 5 at verse 1? Would you like to do that? If you think in just a minute about that sweet savor sending up into the nostrils of God. What is your sacrifice? that ascends up into the nostrils of God, and he says, well done. What is a savor ascending up on my and your account that God uh, smells the sweet smell and savor and says, yes, John, that's, that's good enough for your sacrifice. And yes, uh, Andrew, that's good enough for your sacrifice. Verse 1, chapter 5, And therefore, be you therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. You get saved and God looks down at your life, no longer sees your sin, but sees the blood of Christ that was shed at Calvary and your sacrifice Christ ascends up into the nostrils of God, and God said, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. An altar. An altar that speaks of offering. An altar that speaks of sacrifice. Oh, God, recognize. I mean, thank God that Noah recognized a correct place in his life for God. And the first thing he did was not try to get a new job where he was. It was not to go farming. First thing he did was, I'm just going to build me an altar. And I'm going to worship the God that saved me. And the God that sustained me. And the God that's got me here. I'm going to learn to worship God, number one. As the commercial would say, we've come a long way, ain't we, baby? Where's the rest of our 2,500 members today? They're bowing down to the gods of this world. They say, well, I'm sick, I couldn't come Sunday, but you'll go to work with snot hanging halfway to your belly button just to get the money. Of course, you cough, you don't come to church because you got the flu. Maybe God needs to put you in a boat for a year and so and see how you handle that when you come out. Notice the need for an offering. Why did Noah feel the need for an offering? 
I thought I read there that the imagination of every man's heart was only evil from birth. Is that what that said? Did I read that someplace? Do you know you girls don't have to worry about catching sin from your husband? Now, in my case, it was the other way around. I have a terrible time with that sinner I married. She keeps wanting her way. I don't understand that. The only woman I've ever seen like that. But Noah had just been saved from an evil, corrupt, wicked, violent society. And God told Noah in the in his covenant, I won't ever do this again. Although every man heart and thoughts are evil from birth. Maybe when Noah found that out, he realized that there's none righteous, no, not one. He might have realized that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He must have realized without an altar, he'd never see the bow. So the first thing he realized is the need for an offering, a sacrifice, a sacrificial offering. An offering that would produce a sweet-smelling savor unto God. The need for an offering. Notice, if you would please, not only the need for an offering, the nature of the offering. Can I show it to you, please? You won't get mad at me? You won't get any madder than you already are at me? You say, preacher, I would like it if you did not yell anymore. promise you I will not. Watch this. I'm not yelling. Watch this. Verse 21. The Bible says, you like that talk? And the Bible says, verse 20, and Noah built an altar and took every clean beast, every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Clean beast. Clean fowl. No buzzards offered on this altar. Keep your catfish, you won't work on this altar. Only clean beast. Clean fowl. That's the reason he was told to take seven pairs of the clean animals, only two pair of the unclean. Because the clean was for an offering unto the Lord. What are you offering as a sacrifice? First Peter chapter one, I read this this morning, and it was a thrill to my heart as I talked about the altar and thought about the altar, I'm reading in First Peter now, First Peter chapter 1, verse 18. In reference to the nature of the offering, he only offered the clean, those who were without spot and blemish, those whom God said 
I will receive. Verse 18 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from the vain conversation received by the tradition of the fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You see, now when God sees me, he does not see my sin. He sees my offering. And my offering is the blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without spot and without blemish. Somebody said, you Baptists think it the only one way to heaven. Hey, God says there's only one way to heaven. Uh, that's not a Baptist book I read. That is a God's book I read. And let me tell you something. If you're sucking God's air, if you're, if you're wasting God's oxygen, if you're still sucking in and blowing out, you ain't going to heaven without you have the right offering. And the offering that it takes is the blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb without spot and without blemish. The nature, the results of the offering and the sweet smelling savor ascended into the nostrils of God and it just blessed his heart, and he said, that's good. Hmm? Thank God he no longer looks at my sin, but looks at my position. I am in Christ. In Christ. And that's in Christ. Why didn't Noah and his family get wet? In the ark. They went through the storm. They experienced the turbulence of the storm. They endured the longevity of the storm. Everything wasn't hunky-dory and smelt real good inside the ark. My wife pays $50 a, a gallon for this stuff that I use. I bet you thought that was natural. Nay, but in the ark was not heaven, and the ark was in Christ. Noah hadn't got to his destination. He experienced all those things. Hey, just because you're saved don't mean you're not going to have storms. But thank God you're in the ark, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have become more than conquerors through him who loved us. Thank God for the ark. But I'm not going to spend all my time worrying about the ark. I'm just going to spend the rest of my life believing the promises. God hung a rainbow in the sky. Amen. And that rainbow is to remind me that it reminds God that he told me everything's going to be okay. I'm closing. You sure? Yeah. Close. Notice it talks about that rainbow as being a token. It talks about a token over and over again in Genesis chapter 9. It talks about uh, a token. A token is a visible sign 
that reminds somebody that everything's going to be okay. A token. The rainbow is a token of God's goodness. As old Noah stepped out on that dry land, could he say, God is good? Could he say that? When you watch your television, you see all the carnage in Israel and Gaza and in Syria. And uh, you're sitting in your air-conditioned house watching your 52-inch television watching little bitty babies, bless your heart, walking all the way across Central America, just trying to get into the country that you take for granted. Could anybody here say God is good? The rainbow is a token of God's goodness. The Bible said God, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Is anybody here saved? I said, is anybody here saved? Is anybody here going to heaven when I go to heaven with me? Would you raise your hand? Just raise your hand if you're saved and going to heaven. Now look, I want to show you something. This is a smile. You really got it tough. You got it about as tough as this crowd over here has got it. All your sins are gone hidden from the mind of God, and the way some of you act, they ain't gone. If you can't muster a smile, you need to get saved. Now let me tell the old folk, okay? If you ain't appreciative of what God has done for you, what you need to do is step out of the ark after 368 days, after being in there with all them stinking animals. Can you imagine, John, how that smelled? You're familiar with him. I didn't mean it that way, John. You took it wrong. You took it wrong. You took it wrong, right? This guy works for the post office. You can imagine how that smelled, amen? He stepped off on a beautiful brand new earth out of the stench of a dying society, leaving death behind, and he looks into the sky, and there's a promise of God. He ain't never going to do that again. Ain't God good? There's a token of God's goodness. Man, if I was God, I'd whoop on me about half the time because I'm, I'm not as thankful as I ought to be. A token of God's goodness is a token of God's fullness. I know you know this, but did you know the rainbow encompasses every color of nature? Not one color is left out, but encompassed in the in the conglomeration of the rainbow are the fullness of all the colors of nature working in harmony, not arguing about which one gets to shine the brightest. But flung across the sky in the clouds is the covenant and promise of God. I ain't never going to do that again. Ain't. God good. You know, I read in the book of Romans several years ago that the goodness of God leadeth to repentance. 
God don't have to send a snake to eat your eggs just to tell you how mad God is at you. All he's got to do is give you a little baby or a grandbaby. And listen to him at one time saying, Paul, that's the goodness of God. Man, I would rather for a smile to lead me to Jesus as a hospital bed. Huh? The goodness of God leadeth to repentance. I mean, if anybody ever considered dating this guy, that ought to lead him to repentance, ugly as he is. What are you laughing about, Rob? Is God good or ain't he? And old Noah stepped off that boat after 360-some days in that ark with them stinking animals and with the rest of the things that was going on. And he stepped out. And God hung a rainbow in the sky. A token of God's goodness and God's fullness. I'm done in God's faithfulness. If God said it, it'll happen. Amen. Amen. I wish I had time. I don't. But sometime, if you got your Bible... If you read in your Bible, Romans 4 and verse 19 and 21, the Bible talks about Abraham being past the age of fertility, a hundred years old, and God promised him a seed, a, a boy named Isaac. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 4, God that Abraham believed God and he accounted it as righteousness. Abraham depended on the faithfulness of God. You know why this church is here? It's not because of my speaking ability and it's not because of anything I've done. God is just faithful. That's it. God is faithful. Hebrews 11, verse 11, talks about Sarah, Abraham's wife. <laughs> and when the angel told Abraham that Sarah was going to have a baby at 90 years old, she got the giggles. Now, some of you ladies ain't 90, but you could giggle too. Amen. <laughs> You say, preacher, I'm so old, I haven't lost my giggle. But the Bible says that Sarah, accounting that God was faithful, she conceived and bare a son when she was past fertility. Could I ask you a question? Is your God faithful? Hebrews 11 and verse 23 talks about not Sarah and not Abraham, but he talks about us. Hebrews 11, 
Look at your Bible, please. And verse 23, I mean chapter 10, I'm sorry, verse 23. And the Bible said, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. Can we depend on this book? Then why don't we live it? Do we believe this book? What's the altar and the bow all about? I found this verse in 1 John 2, and it really surprised me. Verse 25. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. Is there anybody here today who would like eternal life? I'm not talking about Baptist eternal life. I'm talking about Bible eternal life. Jesus said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Jesus said, I give unto them what? And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my Father's hand. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all. No man who pluck them out of my Father's hand. My Bible said, but God commended his love toward you in it while you were yet a sinner. Christ died for us. Why? Because he's promised. All who would call, all who would believe, he has promised eternal life. Thank God for the altar, because that's where he died for us. But thank God for the bow. It's reminding God of his faithfulness, of his fullness, and of his goodness. And all of God's people said, wouldn't it be nice today if everybody who's not saved would take that step of faith and accept Christ for eternal life? Wouldn't it be nice for those who's professing to be saved but just can never get on top of this thing called spirituality if they'd quit professing and begin to possess eternal?